interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> happy January 5th, everybody, and happy new year. This is my bloody podcast. Everywhere you can listen to podcasts, my bloody podcast. I'm Brian Kluger. I am 42 years old and I love horror movies. Who do I have here today? Well, who do I have here today? It's the man of the hour. It's the man the co-host with the most. Who 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 is it over there? It's uh, somebody who often gets confused for a man. <laughs> Oh, good gracious. No, it's Preston Barta over there. He's, if I'm 42, you're 34? I turned 34 this year. Look at it. Look at it. He's 34. And I think he loves horror movies, too. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. As much as as I can uh, squeeze in being a dad. Right. Well, hey, you can, hey. Or I did show him. A, I did show him a couple clips from the movie that we're discussing today, and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, yes." Uh, the movie we are discussing today on my bloody podcast is revered as probably the best sci-fi movie in the world, but it's also a horror movie. Um, the movie came out in 1986. It is a sequel of a movie that came out in 1979. So there's there's a few years there. And um, I think this movie's great. But uh, yeah, we're talking about Aliens because for some reason, over the last 20 years, the director of Aliens, James Cameron, we'll call him Jim here on the podcast, on my bloody podcast, has refused to release any movie that he's made on Blu-ray or 4K minus Avatar. It's very strange. Um, I mean, there has, like, Terminator, Terminator 2 notwithstanding, but, you know, The Abyss and True True Lies and Aliens and Titanic, they have never seen the light of day uh, past DVD. So... Not true, reason. Brian. Not huh? true. Well, just with uh, he did release Aliens on Blu-ray because I have, or I think I still have. There's the oh, it's part of the tri- quadrilogy or the the special editions. Well, they did like the six film version on Steelbook and uh, collector's pack, but then they had uh, it was it, m- it might have been 2016. I think it was for the 30. 30th anniversary 35th anniversary yeah it was the 30th anniversary they did uh they did like a special collector's pack that had the extended edition of it on blu-ray but aliens had not seen 4k but true lies the abyss those are the big ones titanic Titanic. made it to blu-ray not too long ago and yeah just this year um or 2023 they all made their way in but not work. like in collector's editions or special editions. It was just like, and it wasn't a big release. Uh, 
and it, with James Cameron, you think it would be big and crazy, mm-hmm. but uh, the he's end too busy of, in the ocean, right? Yes, he's he's always in the ocean. He's he's dealing with Avatar life, Jake Sully, but the at the end of twenty twenty three. They announced like every all of these movies are coming out. And here on my bloody podcast, we got to talk about aliens because after, you know, 120, 150 episodes we've done, we've never talked about aliens. I'm very excited about it. Uh, But do you. Preston, Mm -hmm. do you do you have a do you have a favorite James Cameron movie or is it? kind of like the Tarantino effect where like every movie Tarantino does is good and it's just like uh yeah I like this one just because I watch it more but they're all great or is there some better than others or is there one that just kind of sticks out to you for James Cameron life including Piranha 2 <laughs> uh, not Piranha 2 um <clears throat> although I do like the idea of them flying it's pretty hilarious to me <laughs> it's like tremors um, tremors yeah, started yeah. to fly at some point yeah they, they became ass blasters yeah um the tarantino thing is a pretty good example or a uh, draw to uh jim cameron i uh, i love all his films um i i find it hilarious that being him being like an environmentalist and conservationist and this person who like recycles he likes to recycle his own material um because you can see so many like themes and character beats and narrative beats that kind of carry across his whole filmography but yet he always seems to make them interesting like for instance avatar the way of water there is a character in that film that is very newt like from aliens um there's a lot of designs of ships and uh the the functionality of machinery and things like that and this whole like fight between good and evil where like the the bad guys kind of fit within the same box and have very similar motivations um i i could see jim cameron listening to this and being like Fuck you, Preston. Um, there's more to it than that. Um, but it, I, I still love all his work. Um, if I had to pick a best, I would say Terminator 2, just because I watched that movie quite a bit. And I think that movie is a pretty perfect film. Um, but I love Titanic. I love Aliens. And I love The Abyss. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I could rank his work, um, but I would definitely put Terminator 2 at the top for me. All right. So Terminator 2, I agree. I think Terminator 2 is his best film to date still. I think his most fun where he's where James Cameron is living his best crazy life is True Lies. Like, yeah. I don't think there's a a more fun action movie than True Lies out there. Like that that movie is crazy amounts of entertainment and fun with some of the yeah. most with, with great performances action like that's what the epitome of an action movie is is there anything below the surface on that movie no not really but in terminator 2 there's tons of stuff below the surface that terminator 2 is great terminator 2 makes you cry yeah. uh but yeah I, th- I think terminator 2 is his best film to date but as anybody would know me 
I have not liked James Cameron for a while, movie-wise. Uh, I thought Avatar was decent, okay. Avatar 2, I hated. It was like the worst movie to me. It's so terrible. I remember you and I <laughs> talking about that, Preston, quite a bit. Um, yeah, which is crazy to me because I, I think I gave that movie five stars. I loved it. Um, how, yeah, do you, I, I, looking back on that, do you still give that movie five stars? Yeah, I watched, I watched it recently because of uh, that they re-released all these on 4K and collector's editions and things like that. So I did watch Way of Water, watched quite a few of the extras and things like that. I'm very, um, like I mentioned earlier, with him like recycling material and things like that. Like, but yeah, I notice it, and I could, you know, you know, bring out my red pen a little bit on that sort of thing. But I uh, was pretty moved by it. I I like that one more than I like the first one. Um, I like the 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 villain work in it. I like the the story. I like the the just process of the family having to you know adapt to a, a culture they're that they're not familiar with. I like that it takes pause and kind of does the thing that's been missing in the Jurassic Park films for a while, which is this sense of wonder, like just taking time, being in the spaces. Uh, primarily underwater and just kind of seeing the sea life in this world that we're not familiar with, uh, but has like characteristics that are similar. But uh, I, I feel like Jim Cameron's always been exploring, especially with some of the documentary stuff that he's been doing and things that he talks about. He's very passionate about uh, marine life and to see creatures. Like uh, one of the arguments that he makes is that we don't, we know what was it per se, but we just don't know enough about like the world under the sea type of thing. And for him to kind of explore <laughs> that with some of the uh, stuff that he does in avatar, I find very interesting. Um, Cause I know if I was diving underwater, I would probably be in, in so much awe. And then there are times to be fearful and things like that. So I, I just appreciate that he makes us, or at least for me feel more passionate about you know the world we live in and the things that inhabit it so there, there's me like and i'm also i think some of those um yeah the the whole like last 30 minutes of being on the ship is very similar to something that happens in the abyss um there they, they do a lot of the what? same type of things with like the rope and everything right to, yeah to find each other and, and you navigate. still give it a five star yeah i love dude i think avatar both avatars are great. I just think that the first or the second one's better because he invited, um, I can't remember who else wrote it with him, but he got somebody else. And that's always been kind of an issue that I've taken with some of Jim Cameron's dialogue is it's not always the best. And so I can laugh at certain lines in the first avatar, but I think it lands a little bit better and, or I, identify more with the characters and what they're discussing more so um so i find it more riveting so i don't know man like oppenheimer take another shot i don't know <laughs> i think it's pretty good <laughs> the abyss however i but think the, i think the abyss uh which i watched again last night i i watched the theatrical cut because there's also a special edition that's like 30 minutes longer. I think because it's because the abyss without the, the 30 minutes extra is still a super long movie. It, it is. And cause um, 
there's there's a lot of time so primarily that movie is mostly focused on human affairs uh like that's the intensity of it you know people going down yeah there are uh aquatic alien species involved that mostly kind of plays into the story at the end which i'll get to but for the most part it's like this this thing another theme that's been explored in jim cameron's work of uh military uh versus common folk or people who know scientists yeah scientists scientists, yeah, scientists. Exactly. that's it so th there's that consistent yeah. battle there uh like don't try to wield things into existence or or uh play with i guess god or something like that or just mess with nature that sort of thing <laughs> so the, the 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 whole thing of uh michael bean who's also in uh aliens he kind of, he plays another soldier but a, a navy seal in the abyss and he's like the primary villain in the film and so most of the focus is put on the, the this clash between the the scientists or in this case you know what else um i noticed how much how influential the abyss is because when watching it i was like dude armageddon like they're oil workers <laughs> oh. and they're clashing with another team and then there's the whole um like they're trying to keep the bomb the warhead secret that 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 they had a uh alternative mission or the navy seals of extracting the warhead that's supposedly five times the size of hiroshima and so that would cause like a major wave and uh could could do some serious damage and so the military is trying to cover up that and extract the warhead and um okay but 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 the, the the whole thing on Armageddon with the gun, like you know, the other team, like they didn't know that they had a gun the whole time. Right. Before. There's that. So there's there's some parallels between that. There was another movie I thought of while watching it, um, but I can't remember what it was. But I was excited to tell you. I should have wrote them down. I was like, oh man, it's this, and Brian's gonna be like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, I I mean, I watched the the all these four Ks that were re release with the new the new features and the new the new um video imaging and stuff like that i mean it looks amazing and with with the abyss you know we didn't tell we didn't say like this was in our top two or three maybe like it's not it's not our top one but because i think the abyss drags here and there even though yeah. i really like the abyss it drags it's too long it's, it's just a little repetitive it's yes. uh it's a lot of process work where you're just you're he sets up the stakes and like you know the 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 submarine that uh is bumped and then it's and like they have to go there it's kind of like sunshine like they have to go there and they're trying to check out the other ship and then they go in there and everybody's dead uh except there's no uh pin packer on it so there's yeah. a good good thing there <laughs> um yeah yeah uh but a lot of that like them getting in the subs and things it, it, there's a lot of that and it's, like they have to get from one place to the other in this kind of uh deep blue sea kind of way so hey look there's all these other connections there is a lot of connections i mean the abyss came out and you didn't know whether it's like oh is it a horror Twi movie? oh well, i know something? what it was the other film okay. that i thought of uh twister because of the <laughs> relationship between ed harris 
and uh, uh i can't remember her what's name. her name yes yes uh, yeah, but, but the relationship the, the, is very much like bill paxton and Ellen, helen hunt where yes it is separated and then they rekindle yeah it's very much i think the most memorable even watching it i was looking forward to this moment watching it again because it's been a while since i've seen the abyss i think the last time i owned it they did like a two disc dvd edition like the packaging was gray it was i think that the last time i watched it was back then because the abyss had never been out on streaming or uh until recently and even then it was like a shitty copy of it but now you can watch it and i was looking forward to this moment because it always stuck with me because it's it's so funny to me now <laughs> i don't know if when you watch it but ed harris man Ed Harris beats the shit out of a yeah. woman so hard that he doesn't yeah. kill her. He brings her back to life. Yeah. <laughs> and I always love that part and watching it again. We just fucking beats. It's so good. I, I love it so much. And it still makes me you laugh. love violence towards women. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's just like, well, man, he beats this woman mercifully that he doesn't kill her he just brings her back to life <laughs> calls her a bitch like it's that's just what, yeah that's what sprung her back yeah it's, it's so like I, heard it's, I i remember that moment uh because it's it's the same chick who's in uh al pacino's scarface she's the she's his sister but she's also in this one um but in the abyss but yeah that's mary, mary elizabeth Mastriano, Mastriano, sorry, butchered that, but uh, yeah, that that's um, I mean, it kind of shows you, gives you some insight into their relationship. I hope he's not an abusive husband, but well, who? Uh, but I do find it kind of funny that because he's he, he, you feel for him in that moment, like he's just like, no, she has a strong heart, and he's going at it again. And in a lot of movies, you'll see something like that. And they're like pounding the, the chest, like just hitting the chest. He yeah. goes for the face. Yeah, he goes for yeah, the face. Like, wake real, up, you bitch. And I was just hard. like, yes. It's so but good because his dialogue is crazy. Like, when you go back and watch his older movies, like maybe minus Terminator 2, uh, like dialogue like in in the abyss or very much true lies. Uh, it's very, it, it's funny dialogue. It's funny as shit. And you got to think like, did James Cameron write this dialogue in true lies for Bill Paxson's character where, you know, he said stuff like ask like a 10 year old boy and <laughs> suck, start a leaf blower. Or was that Bill Paxson on set? You know, it's just, I'm just imagining somebody who gives you Avatar and what you say, five star, you know, loving this is actually putting pen to paper and writing these things down because it's so funny and crazy because we don't get dialogue like that in movies right now. Uh, but I love the sense because because even when we're going to talk about aliens here in just a second, um, there's a lot of similar stuff in aliens that we've discussed in all of these other James Cameron movies. It's like the Snyder verse, but there's the Cameron verse. Like there's, I would say that there's more in common with James Cameron movies and there is all in Zack Snyder's utopia of uh, movies because 
where I think Zack Snyder maybe visually style is the same roundabout minus Dawn of the Dead. I think James Cameron uh, has the same stuff going on in all of his movies, but told in different settings. But I mean, basically the last three movies he's done is uh, just water based stuff. Right. Um, But I guess I'd make the argument about Martin Scorsese too. I think a lot of his uh, narrative, the narrative structure of his work is very similar. And and I think that's why both you and I were just kind of lukewarm on Killers of the Flower Moon. Because I was like, eh, it just follows the same pattern of his previous work. Casino, in, in, Fellas, Wolf on Wall Street. Well, in, with, with Scorsese, he's made five times the amount of movies, maybe 10 times the amount of movies that James, because James Cameron's literally only made eight movies, um, maybe nine directed. And Scorsese's made like 50. And uh, Zack Snyder's made what, 10? So I think with Scorsese in that element of, you know, Italian mafia telling these stories, we've seen it five, six, seven times with Scorsese, but you also have like Hugo and Silence and Taxi Driver and like all these other movies he's done, The Passion, the t- Last, Tempt- Last Temptation of Christ and all these other films that he's done, but, you know, with like Wolf of Wall Street and Goodfellas Casino, Killers of the Flower Moon um, and his, his uh, the Irishman, those are definitely pretty much the same movie with very minute differences in characters. It's told the same. It's kind of the same story arc. Um, but with Cameron, I just, oh man, like you're, you're, you're explaining the abyss stuff and we're seeing it in every other movie or even in Avatar, we're seeing all these same things. And maybe it's, maybe it's James Cameron who has just like his, two people with him and he's like we've heard james cameron is just he's in charge he is the dictator on set and what he says goes um he's pretty intimidating yeah i mean i don't know i think he knows what he wants but i don't know if there's like a check and balance system with him at all uh to say like hey man you did this in this movie are we bringing this into this new film so, but he's yeah, really... I, wonder, I wonder if his thought process is like that after aliens. He's like, you know, what about this but underwater? And then, and then right after <laughs> Abyss being, uh, I know he did True Lies between then, so that was like probably his biggest departure to me in between films. Um, is do you know from like aliens to or Abyss to Titanic? And the opening of Titanic is very much the abyss of them right. going down. It is. Well, he made that, do- he was part of that documentary, um, Ghost, Ghost of, of the, the Abyss, Avengers. where yeah. he actually goes down with Bill Paxton to go search for the Titanic. And I think he's just so fascinated with all that underwater stuff. I mean, hell, even in Aliens, there is an underwater sequence with Aliens with newt you know like that's maybe like the start of all of this uh this stuff that he loves that jim loves about water and i mean even his last movie is called the way of water yeah (laughs) and definitive water so 
I it's it's interesting to, to know about that stuff. But with all of these movies coming out on 4K, finally, you can stream them 4K. You can buy the 4K physical copies. They all look amazing. I mean, yeah, the they look really, really good. Haley was my wife was like, uh, Jesus, like watching Mary Elizabeth in the abyss. She's like, all I want to do is put chapstick on her lips. They're so they're so chapped. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how I was like, it just goes to show you how good it looks. You wouldn't really know it was a uh, movie that released in 1989 or whatever year it was. And uh, it, until it got to like some of the special effects, then that's when you knew. Right. With that. And it's the same way with aliens, even though I mean, and, and it's sad to think that. You know, you, you see Avatar 2 and Avatar 1 and before that Titanic that James Cameron was steeped in practical effects. I mean, let's talk about Aliens. 1986 Aliens is all practical. Like, it looks amazing. Even the futuristic cars, the ships, it looks crazy good. But then somewhere, somehow, he went full on CG where it's just actors acting on a soundstage with nothing there, just green screen and dots. But I would argue there's a big difference between the way that he does that versus somebody like Zack Snyder. Because when Zack Snyder does it, I don't feel, I can't grasp it. It doesn't feel real to me. It does feel like they're shooting in a soundstage. But to me, with Avatar, I don't feel that as much. Do you think that's because everybody is CGI'd in Avatar and people in Zack Snyder's well, movie? Well, I mean, are... even with that human character, that feral child um, in uh, <laughs> Way of Water, <laughs> that is the Newt uh, uh, reborn. Mowgli. Yeah. <laughs> Mowgli yeah. from Jungle Book, basically. Like he, when you see him, because he's he's a human character, and you mostly see him opposite Avatar characters or within uh, a world that is purely created, and I can't tell too much um, because for most of the film he has that mask on because he can't breathe the same air, and so that it helps because you're not focusing so much of like his you know, the features of his face in, in opposite, um, you know, the avatar characters are. And so it's not, there, there might be a moment or two where you can kind of see the stitching, I guess, but uh, for the most part, no, I, I can't tell too much. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell with that, but just going from Aliens, where it's all practical, to that, it, it blew my mind watching Aliens again. Mm-hmm. So, Aliens 1986 came out middle of summer. It was a summer movie. This is a sequel that was originally done by Ridley Scott and Alien. And we've talked a little bit about this on Fear and Loathing before, but... Ridley Scott made Alien in 1979, scared the world, changed the genre, changed horror, changed sci-fi. And it was a slow burn of one xenomorph alien that terrorized everybody. And it was calm, collected, but also brutal in moments. And then James Cameron came and was like, hey, we're going to do this, but we're going to add 100 aliens to this with military 
and action and the biggest guns you've ever seen on screen that can shoot rockets, flamethrower, and bullets. Uh, and hey, it did so well. And can you imagine this movie, Aliens, cost $18 million to make. Can you imagine nowadays Jim Cameron making a movie for $18 million? No. Well, you know, with the cost of everything being different, but just kind of imagining like what that equates to to today i don't know what, what's the math on that Let, I'll, I'll i'll tell you i'll tell you right now i'm gonna look that up because i was going to do that all right so uh 18 million dollars in 1986 what is that worth today inflation calculator um 18 million calculate is worth 52 million dollars today i just about to guess 50 yeah, um, 52 million so even even so 52 million dollars i mean that's that's not a lot of money for a big action movie or a big sci-fi epic action movie with tons of people but it seemed like yeah. he was having more fun then yeah, uh, but but the thing with Jim uh, Cameron's movies, especially because for the first 30, maybe 45 minutes, it's mostly just getting to know the crew and their dynamics and the, how much fun they have. That's how it is in Aliens. So some of that character work kind of takes like where they don't have to do so much. And uh, the Alien franchise has been a lot like that. It's not uh, maybe... Alien versus Predator might be a little different, but at least for the most part, it's that's that's part of it. Getting to know the crew and what their focuses are and like why why they are there and then like what are some of the uh things that might be going underneath the surface with some of the characters who end up becoming bad characters or who's the robot kind of thing. Um so there, I, I can't imagine still, even with like $52 million, being able to pull off some of the stuff that he does in this film. Because I, I just imagine cost of materials have gone up significantly and you still couldn't pull off something like that. Because, yeah, like you said, making those cars, I know like a lot of it's like um, watching model kits and things like that. Like he sells that very well. He did that with Titanic. Um, so it looks, looks good doing, doing it that way. Even when you see the queen alien as Ripley's about to eject it into space, like you can see space a little bit in the background and it looks painted on and that kind of makes it look, I, I like that effect. That That's why we celebrate a lot of Tim Burton's old work is in I like paintings. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that. So, um, yeah, maybe he might be able to do it, but, uh, yeah, it just seems like at least for how they've been making movies today, like the appetite, appetite has changed, but I think it's been more forced on us and we're just now starting to come back or more around to practical effects. Thanks to people like Christopher Nolan and, and, um, various other filmmakers, uh, Denny Villeneuve, who do a pretty good balance um, of, of practical film work. But even then, they're, they're, sp they're sp spending hundreds of millions of dollars to still achieve that. Yeah, so, two or three hundred million dollars, not fifty million dollars as. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think he could make something on a Blumhouse budget. <laughs> so, 
Well, Blumhouse, I feel like, is like five times. Five. Well, they give them like less... five million and they'll have to go elsewhere to get if they need other stuff. Thing. Yeah. But with with aliens, let's go. So you have this crew in the 1979 alien movie and they're just a, they're, they're just a group of people out in space you know doing their thing they get a stress call uh like a homing beacon of a distress call and they go to figure it out and to help out and uh it's the aliens kills everybody within 24 hours minus Sigourney Weaver and her cat Jonesy and that's how the movie ends and in aliens with Jim's with James Cameron, I'm just excited that he came aboard this, uh, which is pretty cool that he wanted to do his version of it because he, I mean, he came up with a story, he came up with a screenplay, he wrote it, he directed it, and you have basically he built it with this, Walter Hill, <laughs> right? With Walter Hill. And you come back and you're like, okay, how are we going to come back to this? And you're like, okay, you have Sigourney Weaver Ripley come back and she's basically near Earth-ish maybe. And she's on this space station and all the humans are there and they're like, what happened? Like we have these recordings, but tell us what happened. Why is everybody dead? Why are you the only one survived? And everything else is blown to shit. And, you know, it kind of comes into today's world where it's like, you're trying to explain to people, corporations yeah. like this is what happened and they're not believing her. It's all money and dollars and cents to these corporate people. And they basically set a team of Marines to go back and check what's going on to keep their, their um, investment sound for the Whalen uh, Utani corporation and she goes with them to like, hey, I experienced this, so maybe I can be some help. And so all these hardcore Marines are going with the guns and to see if these people are still there or see what actually happened. And it's the same thing in like so many movies, like especially with like kids movies, um, where Sigourney Weaver is kind of like the child here because in these kids movies, these kids adventure movies, it's like these kids see something and none of the adults believe the children, kids ever. And that's the that's what's with aliens. Sigourney Weaver is completely telling these people, this is what happened, this is what you need to know, and nobody listens to her until it's too late. And after watching it again, I think Ripley in Aliens, Sigourney Weaver's character, is probably the coolest character ever in a movie. Like she, I mean, I always knew she was awesome, but... <laughs> oh my god watching it again she's like the coolest character in the world and a ballsy character and just says the right things the coolest things like she basically she's arnold schwarzenegger but if arnold but but less goofy like arnold's goofy in a lot of moments like in true lies and terminator 2 in a lot of his other movies but he's yeah. strong but Ripley is like 100% badass. Yeah. No, 100 yes, 100% badass. And even the lines in her delivery in Aliens is so great and that's why she's the best. Um Yeah. The, the way that you're explaining that just I don't know why this popped in my head. I was thinking of you getting giddy over her character in the same way that 
Paul Rudd in 40 Old Virgin was over Matt Damon. He's like, man, I always thought Matt Damon was a Streisand, but he's rocking the shit in this one. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. She's, I mean, I named my dog, uh, as a lot of people have, named their pets after Ripley. And I have a Ripley here that's at my feet. And uh, yeah, she's she's a very influential character and not, not just for women, but just characters in general, just how motivated she is. She's strong. She knows exactly what she wants and she doesn't like to put up with other people's shit. But, but and yeah, and, but she's, she does everything in the movie. Like yeah. all of these Marines that have been allegedly trained for years and they're, she comes in and you think she's just like this normal worker in space, but no, like she can, she she can use like those those power lifter, those big yellow power lifters, very easily. She can drive the car, she can use the guns, she can do the flamethrowers, and she's taking care of a child she finds in this chaotic mess. On top of trying to gather the Marines who are scared shitless, like, and then she just says the best lines, like. What do you like? One of the best lines in the movie is like, "What do you think we should do?" And he's like, "Well, we should uh, <laughs> we should take it, nuke the site from orbit." You know, like it's just like, yes, like that is such that's the that's the ultimate goal here. And it's it's not like no, we're not going to go down and investigate and then shoot everything. No, we're just going to take drastic measures. That's what we have to do. Yeah, it's like it, curiosity killed the cat you know right like, just don't don't do it like i know and and that's when after you watch like the first alien so when you're watching something like the the abyss for instance when i was watching it last night and mary elizabeth's character is interacting with the alien species and and, and already she's like touching it like her curiosity is like oh i'm gonna touch this thing and then you touch the water figure when it's doing the faces of her and ed harris like she sticks her finger out and like ed harris like don't, don't no don't do that she's like no i got it and like touches it and then licks it and you're like <laughs> what the hell are you doing and yeah because so, you know it's like well it's is it water is it is are they manipulating water what's going on here but yeah, yeah, yeah. no it's curiosity that kills everybody in this in aliens for sure um because it is another force that just wants to kill things i think because what James Cameron does in Aliens is such is so cool and it's done so subtly, which I even in the special edition, which is 20 minutes longer than the theatrical cut of the Aliens, James Cameron shows that these aliens actually communicate with each other. There's a hierarchy. Maybe they're like a colony of bees uh, in that hierarchy. Um, yeah, like, a, yes, an alien hive, a beehive, uh, because... Yeah. You know, there's the queen alien laying down, laying her eggs. And it's that moment that really still makes me wonder. And I think that's pure greatness of James Cameron that we hadn't seen before. Even though the aliens are super smart, they know how to hide and come get you. Um, it's, I, I think that moment when it's laying the eggs and Ripley and Newt are around all the eggs and she just has her flamethrower down at the eggs and the queen alien knows like, okay, don't want to kill my children. 
let her go. And the alien like looks at both aliens, like uh, trapping them and they leave. And that to me is like, whoa, we haven't explored this, but they're communicating and the queen alien yeah. knows what Ripley wants without saying anything. And that yeah. to me is so cool to me. What do you think about that particular moment? No, I love that. Uh, I'm so interested, even when it comes to mammal or animal life, like the communication between and just trying to understand that I get really into that with like whale culture and how they do things. So to get uh, just a little bit. So I think that's uh, the, the care that Jim Cameron has toward his characters or his creatures, like even there's some of that in Avatar with a lot of the creatures that he makes up that have like qualities that are similar to some of the animals that live on on Earth, like the the, the movements and the, the, the glances and the, the what he can create with the silences is very interesting. So, uh, yeah, I I think that's something that's kind of lost in in some of the, the the sequels uh beyond this is like it's it has those moments where you'll go ah and you find it interesting versus like you know human versus animal battle kill that's it there's not much more to it to really explore at least he's getting at something that makes it feel real right and because i mean these these aliens have a humanistic quality to them as we saw in alien 3 with david fincher where the alien mated with a dog and it was like a dog alien yeah. um kind of looked similar but had like dog qualities canine qualities but with the humanistic that's what i'm getting at is that maybe these aliens have a humanistic quality and they kind of understood in that moment like okay she's going to kill all my children let them go yeah. You, you know, you be you, will be us. But then, you know, it's that great moment when the egg opens up. What if that egg didn't open up? Do you think Sigourney Weaver would have left to leave mm. them alone? Or the egg opens up and she just realized, like, fuck, we can't. This, this has got to go right now. And she I opens think she up. would have found a way to blow up the place. Right. From orbit. I get it. Yeah, but, but it's at all... least like, hey, I'll make you feel at ease. But also... I think at that point she had she had been through such a traumatizing experience multiple times that I think she'll just do whatever she needs to do to survive in that moment. But I still think that it, she would have had it underneath her sleeve to execute him. But at least Jim Cameron's making us feel for like the other side. That I mean, that's a right. thing with like, like with a uh, Godzilla minus one. Yeah. I had. I was kind of worried going into it because I had heard, oh, this is a, you know, a ruthless, brutal version of Godzilla, not the kind where it's the savior type. Yeah. And so I was worried going into it. I was like, oh, man, am I going to like, you know, when we were watching like Godzilla 98 for fear and loathing. <laughs> oh, man, I feel I feel kind of bad for Godzilla. Like he's just. He's protecting just his children. Yeah. Yeah. He's just trying to protect his children. And so you got to kind of recognize that. And at least he's creating that recognition, but also like, no, it, there's no end in sight. If uh, like one of the, one of these, one of the species has to dominate the other. Right. It, it has to, because one is all about killing and laying their eggs, no matter what, taking over in a brutal way. But what you're going back 
to what you said about Sigourney Weaver's character Ripley, that moment in Aliens when she's going after Newt, when Newt falls down the slide and he, he she, Ripley has to go after her. And mm-hmm. Ripley finds her tracking watch and she just breaks down crying. Yeah. And like that it's over. And then you hear Newt scream and it's like almost instant. She's back into that trauma. Like I have yeah. to survive, you know, and she gets up that moment still so good and powerful to me. Yeah. It's almost like the drive left her. Like, what am I doing this for? Like right. at that point, she's doing everything that she can, not only to save herself, like, cause that, that I, I think at that point, once you lose like most of your crew, like you're just feeling like a lost soul and, into, and when you have somebody there, like Newt, a young child, she has that drive. She wants to do everything that she can. And so once once she had this belief that she was out of the picture, it's just like, what? yeah, what am I doing? And then, yeah, snap right back into it when she knows that she's still alive. Yeah, no, it's so good. It, it's, it's the mother kind of mother-daughter thing that makes it really nice too. It is. Um, Let's talk about Paul Reiser in this movie. Yeah, Because Paul Reiser, what do you think about his character? Because some people would say he's one of the most evil villains. And I would say he's not. Um, I would say Paul Reiser in this movie is a corporate guy, a corporate shill, who's only worried about the bottom line and what his execs think. And he's yeah. scared shitless. He's doing some stupid shit because he's scared in the yeah. end. Yeah. I don't think he's like necessarily an evil piece of shit. He is a piece of shit in this movie, but I think, <laughs> I don't think he's, I, I think the terror gets to him in the end. And that's why he makes those last two decisions. Yeah. I don't think, I think a more evil version of that character, somebody, like you said, that's trying to like protect things and doesn't really, like he's just there for the business side of it is somebody like Michael Bean's character in the abyss of coffee, who is a more evil version because his unpredictability as somebody who's going through uh, what is it? High pressure, nervous, uh, something. Yes. Um, Cause he's going through it. Like the effects of where he is, is like causing him to be like a loose cannon. Um, But with Paul Reiser's character, like, yeah, you're like, ah, you fucker when he's, uh, you know, seeing Ripley, like, in the in the room, like, essentially being the lab rat uh, with Newt. Like, what is this? What is the face hugger going to do? And then she's trying to get his attention. And then he, he kind of, like, covers it up and is, like, trying to distract the others who are in the room. And so, like, yeah, stuff like that is pretty shitty. But, yeah, not quite evil, I would say. I don't know if yeah. looking at coffee's really that evil he's just like fucked up in the head based off of where he is um but it definitely a more scary character by comparison right i agree um let's talk about bill paxton the many faces of the late yes. great bill paxton um do you think matthew mcconaughey modeled his character in days and confused after <laughs> bill paxton's character in aliens because it's a it's very similar. I mean, one is He's not, not quite as much nervous energy, correct. but uh, wanting to be like the voice of the room type because <clears throat> Matthew McConaughey's Wooderson is so chill. Yeah. Um, 
but private Hudson, like he's, he's just, you know, he's a wild. it's like whatever. he's, yeah, he's on Red Bull and five hour energy drinks constantly. We're history, man. It's over. Game over. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, yeah, h- h- him wanting to just have this appearance of being like, I want to be taken seriously. Um, but there's like, no seriousness in that character. Even when they're on the ship, he's like, we're on a one way ticket to hell, man. <laughs> and yeah. that's like something Wooderson would say in a much. Yeah. Later uh, yeah some of those lines. That yeah. He says, it, <laughs> there's your comparison. But I think, I think there's a lot of similarities, but Bill Paxton in this movie, I love that James Cameron, because you know, you saw him in the first Terminator as like the street punk coming up to yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator. But in Aliens, Bill Paxson's character, Hudson, right? Yeah, he, Hudson. You think he's going to be the biggest badass in the world because he comes across, he comes into a room, he's like, hey, man, we're one boy ticket, let's do it. But yeah. he's like the most scared out of anybody. Like he, he I think he's all talk and no... I, I, like Sigourney Weaver basically has to slap him. I mean, he, she doesn't, but he's like, get it together. Go find the maps to the, and find out all the air ducts in this place. And he's like visibly having a crisis of like, am I just going to shit myself or am I actually going to do work? And it's funny to me that that character is so great because I feel like that would be very realistic in real life where somebody comes into yeah. a room and they try to own it. Because yeah. they're all so all talk, no walk. Yeah. Confident. Yes, all talk, no walk. And that is Hudson to a T, even though he does do some great things in the movie. Like he did, but ultimately, he has a heroic moment in his yeah. final, his bow out. But yeah. it's, but it's, but it's great. Like he's so scared and he's like, 17 days, we won't last 17 hours. And then Sigourney Weaver calmly is like, Newt, she's 10 years old. She survived longer than that. And she has no military training. And his response to that was not like, uh, okay. He's like, well, put her in charge, man. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's such a great line. It's like, he, that character is so, he brought so much to that character, I thought. Yeah. And he speaketh the truth. <laughs> he speaketh the truth. Well, put her in charge, man. It's just, it's so good. And it's like a breath of fresh air because it's like, also scary because he's freaking out but also super funny yeah <laughs> but then you have the opposite of that who is uh vasquez yeah. and you who have is, yeah who is like more walk yeah more walk and she's just like people make fun of her but man she takes it like it but and she dishes it back and she's a badass i mean she's one of the people that lasts pretty much till the end yeah and she has she has my favorite uh character demise because it's like it's it's her and um uh lieutenant the commander basically Norman, yeah. Yeah, yeah played by william hope like they have a nice sweet moment that's almost like the end of rogue one right no they, they're they're both whole they both they're the aliens yeah. are coming on to each she, other the, her last line is like you're 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 still a dick yeah so you're like still that. a dick but they but, hold each other's hands there's love there yeah and it's the nuclear bomb just like rogue one i mean it, aliens goes to many places and it's uh that's a great a great visual of them like two people one person who is scared mostly and the other is like the tough as nails warrior and they just both know like we're gonna sacrifice we're gonna do it and just like you're still an asshole not like 
man, this has been great or something like that. It's just, that's the genius that I think that once was Jim's can Jim can <laughs> still there. It's, it's not still there though. Not, not in the last three movies, even though they've it, made just, a billion just a lack of Bill Paxton. That's all. Like we, just, <laughs> we, we needed his energy that he brought to edge of tomorrow in something like avatar. <laughs> Yeah, we do. We do. And I think with oh, Aliens is so good. Um, and even it's I mean, even the setup from Alien to Aliens, where they're introducing this ragtag group of people, even though it's like a salvage ship or Marines, you like them immediately because they're giving each other shit. They look like they're a family. They've been through a lot together. They all right. have kind of different personalities, even the com commander in charge at the time with the cigar you know yeah. it's just sergeant Napoleon. yeah this is so great it's so good to see that dynamic and um again having ripley try to explain to them for the first time what are we dealing with and she's like i'll tell you what i know and they're just like not believing her yeah and it's it, and that's like the the ordeal throughout the whole movie even in the third movie, when she has to go to the prison, she's constantly trying to explain herself like, you're not listening to me. These things will kill you in a matter of hours or minutes. Yeah. And what's great, uh, as opposed to one and three, there's only one alien. But in part two, there's hundreds. In that scene where Dude, they have the yeah. trackers on. Yeah. And the you see like these things like oh they're coming they're they're six meters from us and like that's inside this room it's like what and they look like, up you, like your thing's broken yeah yeah and they look up to the scene like oh god and Michael Bean goes up there and he looks up with the flashlight terrifying shot yeah and you just see all these aliens coming towards you that is a as Preston said it is a terrifying moment. Because these aliens are so scary looking. They got the tentacles and the arms and the tails. And, oh, we didn't get that in the first movie. We just got little bits of it. And in this one, it's just all in your face. And that iconic stuff of the alien hiding in the ship in part one at the end that looks like the ship. In here, multiply that when they're walking through investigating in part two and aliens and they all just start coming down from the ceilings and the walls and it's just ooh that's horror right there yeah you got to make it feel believable because as you said you're going from one to a hundred and so you don't want to have like this i don't know other way to quite explain it other than it's like the the stormtrooper effect or something like that like you have so many of them like they're expendable you can't just show them like shooting even though they're military types so it's different characters compared to the first one so it it, it doesn't make it feel so unbelievable that you're going from one to a hundred and and they're still they're taken out some of but they have guns they're armed they're they're trained for that sort of thing and then when things you know escalate and we get towards the end it's believable that yeah they're having that many spider creatures coming after you kind of thing uh you can understand and and still fear and i i don't feel like well i don't think they would have made it that far if the first movie you know took like two hours for them to for one of them to take them out like that so it, it it i it i just didn't feel too uh i wasn't arguing with the movie more so i guess 
No, I wasn't either. And then, you know, they nuke it from orbit. The three remaining survivors, three remaining survivors, Newt, the young girl, Ripley, and Michael Bean's character. Bishop. And, and, uh, and, and, and Bishop, the droid, who's Lance great, Red. Lance Henriksen. I, I, one of my earliest films that I remember. So this came out in 1986. I think the first feature film that I really, really remember. I mean, it was E.T., but the one I really remember, my parents took me to see Aliens, and I loved it. But I always remember Lance Henriksen crawling through that tunnel, and that being so scary to me. Uh, I, I, Aliens is also one of my earliest film experiences outside of, like, Jurassic Park and Terminator 2. Yeah, I was watching a bunch of movies I shouldn't have. Uh, but th those are the ones that you remember because, you, you know, you watch all the comfort movies and everything like that, and they just kind of blend in with everything else. But it's those like, oh, man, this is a new emotion that I haven't experienced. Um, it, it has a, it has an impression on you. So as a kid, I remember being terrified at Bishop getting, you know, impaled. And um, ripped in half viciously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the then milk. being like... I, yeah, so much so that when I was a kid, I was like, oh, my God, am I made of milk and oatmeal? And so I used to uh, put milk in my mouth and be like, oh, oh and like spit it out, uh, like pretending I was Bishop. Yeah, no, I remember that sequence when the queen alien, you know, surprises you and gets off and just kills Bishop or, you know, rips him in half. But that's when, like, the ultimate showdown comes and it's. I don't know if before we got something like that, because this has been copied so much from aliens where it's like the, the hero and the enemy face off comic book style. And Ripley is in that yellow loader again. And she comes out and it's like that line, like get away from her, you bitch. And it's just like, that's the moment everybody applauses. And like that first you know, right hook to the alien's face. And you're just like, oh man, this is so good. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that is, we've seen that so many times in, in movies. And I think James Cameron perfectly did that. Uh, build the suspense, the dread, and then like the action moment of the hero seriously coming back still after all she's been through to fight this yeah. alien one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. It's the classic moment, as you said, like where, Okay, you can finally rest easy. No, the villain's there right on the ledge. You can grab in your, your leg kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, That that's one of those moments because at that point you're like, oh, there's nine minutes of the movie left. Um, and then you're you're watching that and you're just like, ah, this is just, this is cinema, man. This is cinema. It, it is. It is cinema. It's such a good climactic moment. Um, all right, let me, let, let's talk a little bit about the special edition because there's 20 minutes added extra to the special edition that wasn't in theatrical. And the big part about it is, and I'm curious if you pressed and enjoy it more because one of the main differences from theatrical cut to the special edition is that we get to see the 150 people working and living in that, uh, that Wayland Corporation outpost where the aliens landed. And we got to see Newt's parents. We got to see her brother. We got to see Newt living her life as a child in this, this station on this planet. And you got to see everybody working and doing everything. Do you think 
not showing them just having this crew show up to death and destruction is better? Or do you think showing the characters living their life and then ultimately what happens is better? I like them as thinking about them as separate entities. I personally prefer the ambiguity or the mystery and just kind of creating scenarios of like where, what their history may be or where they may end up uh, on my own. Uh, but I, in the same way that I like to, you know, watch a film and then, cause I'm the other way around, my wife likes to read the book first. Um, but I like the mystery of it um, in trying to pick up little things uh, along the way, especially when you're reading it and you're like, Oh, they did this whole storyline within this. And so I, I kind of take it as like two pieces of literature. I like the theatrical version because it's very, it's leaner and it has that, that intrigue of like, like, where they may come from and where the history is. But I also like watching something and seeing the more filled out version. So it's like thinking of it as like, here's your acoustic version, here's the orchestrated version. Um, and so oftentimes I tend to go toward the acoustic version, but I still find the orchestrated one very interesting. And I, I like to watch it in the same way that I like, uh, you know, Waterworld, like the longer version. And, and so I enjoy both. Um, but uh, it just kind of depends. Uh, more often than not, I tend to watch the theatrical uh, version of this film, uh, mainly just for runtime purposes. <laughs> right, because it's already... Uh, yeah, I'm going to get the same thing out of it. Um, right. But if I'm going to show it with show it to somebody who's only seen the theatrical, it's fun to watch the extended version. Uh, not so much for Titanic with alternate cuts. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, Titanic isn't a great movie. There's parts of it that are good, but overall, I, but I love it. I love it, Brian. I, love I know it. you do. Uh, that's why I'm here to bring you down. Yeah, <laughs> sink that, sink your ship. Um. Yes. Alien, yeah, the, the the extended version, I, I agree with you. I like not knowing what happened, just the crew show up and just it being desolate and being like, why isn't there anybody working? Why aren't we seeing anybody? Why? I mean, the lights are still on, but it's so quiet. What's going on? And I like that aspect of it and just seeing Newt scared out of her mind over the last month or so. And she's having to navigate this thing by herself with all these aliens here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, it's always fun to see like, oh, they actually had a life. It was normal, but we all ultimately know what happened. But I, I like um, yeah. the theatrical cut better, even though. Because yeah. like, the impact of hearing her say they're all dead. Okay. Like that's like, you can just tell like, oh man, she's really been through it. And, but I, I don't necessarily need to, see all that right yeah i don't need to see it either um I, aliens it's it's a i think it's a fast-paced movie um it's it's got kind of everything you'd want in horror action and sci-fi and i think there's so um, many oh, so many good moments and it's layered i think that the tones of motherhood are here completely and the, the whole thing we talked about, about military versus corporate and... Mutual scientists. respect, too, I would say. The what? 
mutual respect. Like right. I like that exploration, especially by the end when most everybody believes her. Yeah. And there's there's the the relationship that Ripley has with both Bishop because that that that's also another thing that we didn't quite uh, speak upon is that in the first movie, you know, with uh, Ian Holm being that like the robot the whole time, like yeah. she has and absolute kill her. disdain yeah. for Bishop, especially yeah. in the beginning, and then by the end, it's like, oh, you're you're diff you're a different kind. Yeah, and hey, also explored in Terminator to Terminator Two. Yeah. With Sarah Connor, see, see, Jim Cameron doing it again. It is. I mean, it is. It's like, but James, Ca so James Cameron Terminator have a Terminator who is lifeless and kills everybody, flips it and be like, Terminator doesn't kill anybody in this movie. And he's the nice guy. Well, he does, but he just does it for good. <laughs> or he thinks that he's doing good for people. Right. Who does he kill? And who does, who does Arnold Schwarzenegger kill in part two? Kills, kills so many people, kills all those cops. Like that part I mean, two, you know, yeah, he shoots him in the leg at, at a certain point. Well, like, I, think I don't think he kills anybody in that movie. You might be right, but I need to go back and watch it. I'm pretty sure he doesn't like, kill hey, anybody. No, don't, don't kill people. Yeah, um, no, he doesn't kill any, even at the bar. He just like breaks hands or he'll live. Yeah, you no, know, I don't think he kills anybody, and he's the nice mm. guy pretty much. And it's kind of like Alien, the one scary alien to action crazy hundred aliens he he flips it but he hasn't done that since you know like he hasn't he didn't he didn't flip it on its ear with avatar he hasn't he hasn't done that yet yeah you're right i'm reading the thing it says how many people does arnold schwarzenegger kill as a terminator and terminator 2 zero yeah arnold zero schwarzenegger wasn't happy about it <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but i just like in my head i'm thinking of like oh, oh man all those cars that blow up but i guess he you know he calculated it well enough he, he shoots them all in the leg yeah, it's so funny I, I, yeah he doesn't kill anybody minus um the t-1000 I think, yeah. Uh, but yeah, James Cameron. Like, I don't, what, what, why isn't he flipped Avatar on its ear? If that's like, I mean, I don't. I think we're not going to get any movies from James Cameron other than these final two Avatars. Like, I d just don't see it, which is sad because he makes better movies than Avatar. Which he's. Showing. I mean, I will say that I, you know, I think we've long said that we want more like some movies like true lies from him. Yeah. Like him exploring different genres and things like that, instead of, you know, pulling out his, a, a tool belt that we've seen him play with all those tools, but he's just kind of playing with them in a different order um, or putting different combos together. Um, so uh, yeah, I have no idea what he's going to do with uh, these avatar sequels if we see them in our lifetime i don't know <laughs> i feel like jim cameron's gonna outlive us all still make these movies right i mean i think Alex is, isn't it like 2025 and then 2029 or something like that are those yeah like i i don't remember um and then those will probably be delayed i don't get it because what do we still have to say about the avatar world that we haven't said already yet <laughs> Or but, like, what do we have to say with the Soli family? At this yeah. Point? Like, are we just going to kill off another kid and put him in like a fire tribe or something like that? <laughs> like, what else? I, it, it just says, I don't care anymore. I do not. I want Jim 
Like, it's like what M. Night Shyamalan did. You know, like he was making great movies and there was a period of movies where he was getting a big budget and it was just like all over the place. But then he was given $5 million to make uh, the visit, and it was incredible. Like that movie is so good on five million. I want James Cameron to not get two hundred million dollars to make a movie. I want him to get ten million. Go back to your roots, horror action, and make something great. And then you could come back to do something. But I don't. I he won't do it. He's it ain't gonna happen. I wonder. We should uh, box up some of these artists. Like make make your movie and then do not pay attention to the response or anything like that go back to go go live in the woods and then <laughs> and and then come back when we need you for another film yeah i don't be, be I, more like uh, takashi mike when we interviewed him he's like yeah i don't watch any films he's like yeah. i was like but you make hundreds of them yeah you make <laughs> hundreds of not? movies how do you not watch movies I mean, I, I guess that's the same way as Woody Allen. I know Woody Allen was asked about that. And he's like, I've never seen a Judd Apatow movie. I've never seen a like this. And I was like, well, I mean, it's interesting. You wouldn't see Judd Apatow because like Woody, you know, you make comedies about relationships and being in life at certain moments. Uh, and but I'm curious why directors wouldn't watch all these other movies of their peers. But James Cameron, I feel like he does. Yeah. And but I'm curious as to why the last I mean so okay so with James Cameron I'll tell you it's it, it boggles my mind cuz he's only made 8 movies. 9. Yeah, 9. It doesn't make sense because you have 1984, you have Terminator, 86, 2 years later Aliens, 3 years later The Abyss, 99 99 2 years later Terminator 2. Three years later, True Lies. Three years later, Titanic. And it was after Titanic that he started taking more than 10 years, 15 years to make movies. And I don't know why. I, I don't understand it. Was it like after Titanic, he made so much money? He's like, fuck it, I'm done. But then it's like, oh, I, mean, I don't know. That's what they make fun of on Entourage. I guess technically he made Aquaman. Um, yeah, technically he made <laughs> Aquaman. Um, um, yeah, at least from his documentaries and everything, he had been exploring marine life and just uh, trying to better the environment and, and, and marine life and things like that and doing all those deep sea explorations. And he did that documentary since then. Um but it, it seemed like Avatar had been kicking around in his mind for a while. And I guess that's why when you watch it, you're like, man, there's some 80s dialogue up in here. Right. Um, and, but he was waiting for tech to catch up. And it wasn't until, I guess, Lord of the Rings that he's like, OK, let's start doing this again. But you wouldn't think like to me, it's like, OK, yeah, you made. let's say you made one hundred and fifty million dollars, probably more because he has his own production company. But I don't think his production companies putting out tons of stuff maybe a couple of movies, but why in the 10 years, the 15 years in between Titanic and an avatar, you didn't regroup with Arnold or Jamie Lee or Sigourney to do something awesome. Like why you could have had, could have been doing stuff. You could have been given the world things, but no, we've waited for avatar. And it's yeah, not. So let me pull it up. Um, so with Lightstorm Entertainment, it was Terminator, The Abyss Special Edition, which came out in 93, 
True Lies, 94, Strange Days, Catherine Bigelow's film that he also wrote the screenplay for. Uh, yeah, Strange Days, 95, then Titanic, Solaris, Steven Soderbergh in 2002, and then, yeah, Avatars right after that. Alita Battle Angel, Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah, but these are all movies that, yeah. like, let's say Battle Alita and Terminator Dark Fate. I mean, he's a producer. Yeah. And I would say, wrote, at least on he, Terminator. He wrote the screenplay for Alita. Okay, so he wrote the screenplay for Alita. But do you actually think he was on set? Like, do you think he was on set for maybe two days on either of those films? Um, I think he was more on set for Elite to Battle Angel because I know Robert Rodriguez, like he directed it ultimately, but I feel like he was more on set for, for that one. Um, and it seemed like he was on set quite a bit for Dark Fate, but I just don't see much of his fingerprints on that. So Not at all. I feel like he flew his helicopter out of there. <laughs> no, I, that's why I mean, when you good see morning, everyone have a good day. See you later. No, that's yeah. what I, so that's what I think with a new horror movie night swim is that it's billed in the trailers and the posters, like the makers of Megan and conjuring. And, and it's, it's just cause of Blumhouse. Or well, it's Blum, you were right, Universal. but it's, they're they're billed as producers but i guarantee you they weren't on set for any of that unless they came by for a lunch one day and just like oh yeah here you go you're not maybe, you're not maybe they were like uh, gus van zant on uh, directing uh goodwill hunting too where he's, he's counting just, his money i'm busy yeah. i'm counting my money yeah i ben i said i'm busy <laughs> <laughs> and, i mean it might be that and it's just like why you're billing it you're marketing it that way but yeah, well, they go, they, they go from producers to accountants, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's crazy. And so, coming That's back to aliens, I think aliens really started Jim Cameron on his path to these great action movies that we did see in Terminator 2 and True Lies. Um, and then he, he got involved in water, and it, like even in that scene in the water in Aliens where Newt falls down and she's in the water and you're just like oh god that shot of her and you're just like mm -mm. in the thing the alien comes out of the water behind her it's so terrifying and that maybe that's i mean i guess he got to start in piranha 2 he that's where he loved his thing but aliens man it still rings a fantastic bell of cinema like it's it's so good yeah. that the music by james horner uh, the cinematography to that movie is so nostalgic and great. Um, Who did the cinematography? The cinematographer was Adrian Biddle. His first thing ever was Aliens, but then he went on to do Princess Bride and Willow and Thelma and Louise, City Slickers 2, Judge Dredd, Event Horizon, which take Dude. a look at Event Horizon and take a look at Aliens. Very similar shots. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then the he 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 passed away in 2004, but the one he did right before he passed away that was released after his death was V for Vendetta. Yeah, that was a good shot. Well shot film. Very, very much so. Um, yeah, he uh, it's it, what what a good like when you when you think of Aliens, Princess Bride, Willow, and you're just like okay, very nostalgic '80s type of movies. But then when Event Horizon, people running down those long corridors and stuff happening like yeah. that, it is 
very similarly, very similar look. Yeah. And I yeah. like that. He, he's, he was good at creating like instant intrigue while like the first alien, you know, kind of pans around a room slowly and you're just mm -hmm. kind of like taking in all the, the what's in front of you, but then you're like, Oh, well there's nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, but uh, I do, I do like the mood of the first one. Quite a bit I do fun. too. I think it's scary as shit. Uh, yeah aliens is just so in your face and super fun and i wish jim would go back to this type of thing because i feel like he's really trying to take himself too seriously with all this recycling water environment shit um and i think what what i'm pissed about avatar is is that you wait so long for something and this is what we get it's recycled bullshit to me and i was like man you had 15 years to give us something in a sequel and this is what was delivered what a shamble and then we're getting two more and it's just like we just talking about it. we want another aliens we want another true lies give us something new that you've shown clearly you can have fun i just don't know if he's having fun anymore but i guess technically he's making three more because avatar three Currently slated December 19th, 2025, Avatar 4, December 21st, 2029, Avatar 5, December 19th, 2031. 2031? Oh my God, I'll be... What year is it? You'll, you'll be 51. <laughs> I'll be 51. <laughs> God damn. Uh... How old will he be? How old is Jim Cameron? I mean, he is... How old? Yeah, that's a good question. How old is Jim Cameron? He's currently 69. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's 69, so oh, he'll be in his... I mean, he'll be 79. Yeah. Uh, no, no, he won't. He'll be 77. 77. Uh, when the last one comes out, if it comes out then. No, I, I mean... And, and it's crazy oh my goodness um oh my god uh, yeah i don't know i don't know how that's gonna work out i mean scorsese's still making movies uh but hopefully all as i'm saying i don't i want james cameron to make another movie that isn't avatar like before yeah. he's gone you know like i want him to fully take on like why James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger worked well together? Why have they not gotten together in their older years to do something? Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. And Jamie all... Lee Curtis, she is a Oscar winner now. You yeah. know, like what you can see that they're capable of other things. Try out those other things. Right? Yeah, do it. So yeah, but Aliens, man, Aliens is so good. Like I, I still think Terminator Two is great is his best one but man aliens is probably right a close second man it is yeah. so good and then true lies because true lies is super fun then terminator then the abyss and yeah what else is there really after that <laughs> i guess a, i guess a five-star movie um aliens man it's so good my bloody podcast uh back in 2024 doing all the horror movies um 
always good aliens it's see it now especially see it in 4k it's available finally yeah yeah or any of these 4ks of jim cameron's uh filmography they're they're great to own i like seeing them digitally in my library i guess you can own them physically too uh i think the only physical copy that i have are uh av avatar and i had titanic don't have it anymore just because i was happy with the digital copy and aliens yeah no it's good stuff it is good stuff uh my bloody podcast we're everywhere please uh please please tell your friends about my bloody podcast talking about all the horror goodness um preston where can they all find you uh, you can find me on freshfiction.tv where I'm the features editor posting things uh, either by myself or others and then on dittonrc.com for the Denton Record Chronicle for any articles, interviews, things like that. But you can mostly keep up with all those things on my Instagram, which is blu-raydad. Uh, and I'm also on Twitter, not quite as active under Preston Barta. And we're also on Fear and Loathing in Cinema. Yeah, Fear and Lillian and Cinema Podcast, both on there. We uh, just had our Rebel Moon yeah. um, podcast drop last night. It was great. Super fun. We got a good one coming up. I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me, Brian Kluger, everywhere. And you can find me at highdefdigest.com, boomstickcomics.com. You can read my new review of Night Swim, which is hilarious. And you His review, can... not the movie. Yeah, yeah, the movie's not good. The review's funny. And you can listen to me on Soundtracks Radio at em-radio.com on Wednesdays from noon to two playing soundtracks. It's a good time. So we love you. Watch Aliens. It's it's bring you back. Still to amazing. Yeah, still amazing. Thank you, Jim Cameron. Yes.